0: We are back. This week on the Nesson Soccer Podcast, we discuss the return of Champions League after a 150-day layoff and how the new version of the competition will be received. Five, two, three, four. Hello, and welcome back to a renewal of the Nesson Soccer Podcast. I am Mark along with Marcus. We are Zooming. It is 2020 and it has been, you know, what a difference a year makes, Marcus. Um, (laughs) It's been a while uh, since we talked formally in in podcast form, but uh, just we we got a lot to get to in this show, but I just want to welcome you back, Marcus. It's great to be doing it again.
1: Yeah, thanks. It uh, warms my heart to hear you say hello, <laughs> like, the, like the good old days. Uh, right. Let's get into this. this. I mean, we haven't done this since uh, almost 13 months ago, July 11, 2019. Wow. Uh, boy, what have, we, what have we missed?
0: There's Yeah, so, I mean, we got ourselves a, a big list. Our last episode was recapping the women's national team's World Cup title, um, in 2019 and since then you know we have had a a good year of soccer i would say but um you know a bad year of pretty much everything else and uh but one thing that we did want to talk about right off the bat was liverpool uh they've gone on they've won the premier league and done so in dominating fashion uh recent titles in the champions league and just Kind of an elevation of their club to a real elite level uh and we wanted to ask each other and i wanted to say i believe liverpool is really elevated to be the best team in the world um and i think it's pretty it, the proof is in the pudding so, so to speak i mean they've won every trophy that you can win or that they want to win uh Club World Cup, Champions League, Premier League, and uh, with their whole roster and L- Jurgen Klopp and everybody just kind of all in the same direction there, they seem to be one of the best-run clubs in the world. And uh, I don't know, Marcus. What do you, th- um, what do you feel about that?
1: <laughs> if you would ask asked me this back in uh, March or April, I would have said it is clear, Liverpool on top dominant but um you know we have to uh remember that they were bounced from the champions league atletico madrid beat them um and yes they are still the reigning european champions they're still the reigning world champions uh european super cup winners runaway winners of the premier league but that was then this mm. is now uh in the coming weeks uefa is going to crown a new champion yeah. and. uh you know, just this this hiatus, and then when Liverpool came out, they slipped up a little, lost a couple games, and um, didn't beat Man City's records. Uh, they, they had a host of records in their sights and only ended up with um, a few of them. I think it was largest margin of victory and earliest Premier League title. Um, but I say not so fast. Let's see who the next Champions League winner is. Um, I, well,
0: there's a... A lot that we could say about Liverpool but we're trying to move quick so we're just going to move right on to the next or the the next biggest development I think in soccer at a world stage um back in 2019 Lionel Messi won the Ballon d'Or and FIFA best men's player awards uh in 2020 there was no Ballon d'Or awarded um And this is interesting because Messi and Ronaldo, with the exception of, I think, only Luka Modric in 2018, Messi and Ronaldo have dominated this award for over a decade. And with there being no award in 2020, have we seen the last of Messi and Ronaldo to win this award? And who maybe was the most robbed player, being that there was no award handed out in 2020, would you say?
1: Uh, I, I would have gone with Robert Lewandowski. He, uh, he's been the best striker, you know, best out-and-out out, number nine in the world for uh, at least the last three or four years. And uh, he had 51 goals in 43 games for Bayern this season and all competitions. Um, Bayern Munich, their uh, chairman, you know, he was saying that Lewandowski was robbed because France football isn't going to give out the uh, Ballon d'Or in 2020. But I would say, given what his team achieved domestically, and they're still alive in Europe, could win the Champions League. uh, I would have had to give it to Lewandowski.
0: Um, I kind of, I don't have anybody that I would have given it to. Obviously, Lewandowski, just from a statistical perspective, probably deserves it. But France Football magazine, the voters said that there wasn't a complete season. Therefore, they couldn't hand out the award. And while there were plenty of games played, kind of the thick of the season is where coronavirus and the pandemic brought a stop to things. So you had the final month, two months of the domestic seasons, the final quarterfinals and beyond of domestic cups, and of course the round of 16 and beyond of the Champions League. And, you know, this award, I think, is often won and lost during this time, so to not have that part of the season, I think it really was uh, I think the right decision to just not award it and just say, "Hey, no award this year we 'll have one next year." Um,
1: Fair enough, i won't fight you too hard on uh, on that point
0: yeah, and so speaking of coronavirus and it had a, obviously a massive effect on the soccer world as it did everywhere else. Um, and games are resuming again, but uh, with no fans. Although in various parts of Europe, you see limited capacity. Um, but so what maybe has been the biggest impact of this? So just obviously competitions have been distorted. And there's even like you go into the Europa League. The, they're in the round of 16, yet five of the teams in the competition are already qualified for the champions league group stage next year uh so it just kind of screws everything up um and i'm not sure exactly you know just what do you think has been the biggest impact with this
1: well i'll tell you what i miss most and that's fans and stadiums um if there's one sport that relies on the sights and the sounds uh it, it is soccer and although i'm thankful that the games are back and they're playing these games uh, behind closed doors, or uh, in bubbles. In some, uh, in in some cases, I just can't get over the fact that no fans are there. Um, yeah, you know, one of the one of the slogans is uh, "football without fans is nothing." And uh, boy, has that ever been? It's never been as clear uh, as it is now. Um, you know, fans in the stadiums. We need. We need that emotion. We need them leaning on players. We need them, uh, you know, pressuring referees and things like that. Yeah, um, it's part of the game. It's been part of the game forever. Um, even if you go down to uh, youth soccer leagues where you used to star, uh, <laughs> you know, you had you you, you have parents and uh, siblings, you know, screaming on the sidelines, and it's right. it's just part of the game. So it it almost feels like. A different sport uh when you're watching it but as i said uh back in may or june i'd rather have you know better empty stadiums than nothing right uh, you know the games being back it gives us something to talk about gives us something to write about not that you'll read it uh gives us something <laughs> to to look forward to and you know that's uh, this this one my my heart goes out for the fans who can't go to the stadiums um Right. You know, I think the sport really suffers without him. Yeah,
0: I it, this whole time, it, it, ever since, I guess, the Bundesliga came back, um, and now we're, we've gotten to the Champions League stage, which is going to take place so quickly, and we'll talk about that in a second, but um, it just feels like everything is, like, a big effort just to maintain the sort of soccer structure that has been built over, you know, decades, and just, like, we're just trying to get through this and you can yeah. really feel it, and we're still trying to maintain, like, okay, there was a Champions League winner, there was a Europa League winner, there was a La Liga winner, and we're able to reset and be normal again um, whenever that becomes possible. But you're right, you can't go without fans for too much longer. they got to come right. back.
1: And, um, um, you know, we're starting to see some reports uh, just over, really, the last day. Uh, you know, i love to throw you the latest and greatest um, you know, in England, they're starting to uh, really consider how and whether fans can attend games in the next Premier League season, which will start in roughly five weeks. Yeah, uh, MLS Commissioner Don Garber said uh, they're likely to go to a, an in-market strategy, and some markets will have fans, so um, that's encouraging. I mean, with, without having the fans there, it, it almost feels like, like the players are playing and certainly i'm watching something different
0: yeah i completely agree with that um so should we jump into champions league or you know we we kind of skipped over this but for those that might be listening again and they're saying hey this soccer podcast hasn't been around for a while um we are back uh we don't want to get into too many details just yet because some of the details are sensitive but this uh, relaunch of our podcast goes along with a relaunch of neston.com coming soon, and we will be here every week um, typically on Thursdays we feel will be the day and we will stick to that um, but we'll be looking at everything from North American soccer, New England soccer, and worldwide soccer with a large focus on European competitions uh, because that's where the real action is, I guess you'd say but Speaking of that real action, Marcus, Champions League, it's finally back. Yeah. Starting tomorrow at the time of this recording, Friday, August 7th. Uh, this uh, coronavirus has obviously changed a lot. And no the kid. format changes are probably the first thing that we should talk about. Um, do you want to break them down real quick? Do well, sure.
1: You know, we're, we're used to seeing uh, two legs in the round of 16, the quarterfinals, the semifinals. Uh, now, this is, you know, and I hope it's a one-off. Um, some analysts have said it's somewhat of a um, preview of a European Super League, which has been rumored to be in the works for the last 25, 30 years. Uh, <laughs> but what you have is what they're calling a final eight stage which will take place in Lisbon. So uh, today is Thursday. On Friday and Saturday, the last of the round of 16 uh, ties will uh, will take place, the second legs. And then after that, it's off to Lisbon, Portugal, um, where there will be single-leg games in the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals over the span of 12 days. Uh, I believe that's between August 12th and August 23rd. and it's, you know, being compared to uh, just like major international tournaments, like a, right. like a World, World Cup. Cup European Championship, where it's in a single location and it's win or go home. So uh, the the play itself is going to be different. Uh, I mean, the competition itself is different, but what you see on the field will also be different. Um, right. In the last uh, couple World Cups, um, certainly on the men's side, What you've seen is a lot of uh, caginess, caginess, uh, a lot of caution, teams playing not to lose, really to capitalize on their opponent's mistakes, rather than taking the game to the opponent, which you might see over the span of uh, two legs. So um, I'm expecting it to be a little bit different, and uh, I'll come out and say it, a little more uh, boring over the course of 90 (laughs) minutes.
0: Um. Marcus, I see all your points. I hate how right you sound. Uh, I'm hopeful that that it won't get to be too boring because I think also with the international soccer, you have situations of teams, you know, even if they're in a knockout stage, just not as much experience playing with each other. So I hope that maybe just having be players being more comfortable in their team structure will lead to more exciting play. but. Uh, At the same time, just with so many matches taking place in such a short time, and as somebody that also kind of – I still also uh, follow the Europa League, maybe more so than other people, but there's just so many matches taking place, and they're all knockout stages, all such high stakes. Um, Typically, this is spread out over a two-month period from the round of 16 until the final we're getting it all in 12 days, and I don't, as you referenced earlier, I hope this doesn't become the norm with uh, the, you know, neutral site locations, and obviously the the factors in the world are contributing to this, but as far as right now, it's here, 12 days, you know, two weeks, just pack it all in. I think it's going to be exciting. At least the off-the-field sort of uh, the storyline surrounding the games, I think, are going to be really great, especially if we can get um, Juventus and Barcelona to stay in the competition as long as possible. Right. Um, and uh, I'm I have totally bought in to the format that UEFA came up with to finish the competition, and I think it's kind of the best possible solution given the circumstances. Very satisfied, and I think you know you there won't be any question of the this Champions League winner doesn't count for all the factors that have taken place. I think that that's, I don't really buy into that at all.
1: Well, you know, I'm not going to sit here and put an asterisk over uh, the competition, but you know, one thing I'm wondering is that the champions league is always the most uh, consequential, you know, for the big, for the biggest clubs Um, take PSG. If they go out in the round of 16, their coach is fired. Uh, Real Madrid, Sort of a similar situation. Um, I get the sense that, other than Barcelona, uh, the bigot, which you know their uh, their coach, Kike Setien, is uh, he's basically dead man walking. Um, you're not gonna see a uh, you're not gonna see heads roll, and you know the Champions League results really driving changes uh, at the very top of the game. Um, so that'll be interesting. I think it'll. Um, you know, what happens will happen, but it won't necessarily determine what goes on in the future because of the disruption that, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has brought, uh, in the sport worldwide. Do you th- uh,
0: so do you say that, uh, and we should keep it moving, but do you say that because, because since there's so much disruption that a team is just in general, less likely to make a coaching switch, um, and kind of is just hoping to see themselves through this time and get to a more normal world, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. And it's just bringing an overall halt to decisions like that in Europe or just that because of, yeah,
1: I think that's, um, you know, some of them will look, look at it like, uh, it's a roll of the dice and yeah, what happens over one game and a stadium where there are either no fans or maybe a couple thousand fans. I'm not sure what uh, Portugal's plans for that are. Um, You know, teams are going to look at this as I'm sure they're all out to win it. But if they don't, I just don't see that uh, they'll decide we are not at the level of where we want to be because we lost this one game in Portugal over 12 days. Yeah. You know, it's not like these squads are being managed and stretched out over the course of three, four months, uh, as usual. It's really what goes down over twelve days in a uh, neutral location. So, Um, but I could be wrong. I mean, there's all. No, I think
0: you're on the. I think you're on the right track, probably. Uh, But let's let's jump into the games. Uh, Let's start with Juventus versus Lyon. Lyon, somewhat surprisingly, uh, has a 1-0 lead uh, after their first leg. This game is 3 p.m. Eastern on Friday. Uh, Juventus, Serie A winners, although by a uh, more narrow margin than they're used to. uh, Lyon finished seventh in Ligue 1, but that season was also suspended in mid-March. So, uh, Lyon hasn't played a competitive match. I think they've played some friendlies in preparation for Champions League, but they haven't played, um, you know, since March. And Juventus just wrapped up their season uh, on Saturday, or was it, I think, maybe last week. So Juventus is absolutely in playing form, even if that form isn't quite the level that, you know, you're, you're used to Juventus playing whereas Lyon just i i think uh are i think we're just surprised that they're even at this stage and have a lead having said that if they can park the bus and hold their lead you know they could they could sneak through but um i'd yeah, be surprised
1: it's not going to happen uh, <laughs> Juventus not as uh, strong and formidable as they have been in previous seasons but um You know, I think with Lyon, it's going to be something similar to what you've seen in the past, previous Champions League campaigns where teams are coming out of Ukraine and uh, Russia. They'll make the round of 16, but the problem is they're off for, uh, you know, they haven't played since December. Uh, Yeah. And so when they return in March, you know, they just don't have the legs and uh, inevitably they're beaten. Um, And now they're going up against... Uh, one of the big boys of Europe, Juventus. Um, I see Juventus overturning this. Uh, Maybe they win by two goals, three goals. Uh, You know, Lyon has, uh, if they score an away goal early, it could make things interesting. But I just don't see how they, uh, first of all, they finished seventh in League One, which is not, uh, you know, coming off (laughs) a bad season. But I, I just don't see how they can, step on the field against a team that is uh has at least some bit of rhythm rhythm some bit of form and sneak through Um, but anyway when juventus beats leon they're going to go up against uh, man city or real madrid who will make mincemeat of them
0: (laughs) well that brings us to the other friday match also 3 p.m on friday uh we we put this as the big one in our uh, rundown here: Manchester City versus Real Madrid. Um, now, what stuck out to me about this is you kind of have a tale of two domestic league races, where Man City uh, saw Liverpool run away with the league the year after Man City had uh, just held off Liverpool back in 2018-19. Um, I think Man City ultimately we're very humbled by Liverpool winning by such a wide margin. And, uh, meanwhile, Real Madrid in La Liga at the restart, um, in La Liga, Barcelona was leading the league top of the table, Real Madrid able to come back in excellent form. I think they had a perfect or near perfect record in their remaining games after the restart and took La Liga, won the league, um, And it's just, it's just your your classic. It's what you are. This is why people love the Champions League. You got two giants going up against each other. They are at places that each club, even within the last five years, has been in this position. You know, Manchester City has been in the position of, well, we're our league winners. We're the big boys. Real Madrid there now, and they're just they're vying for position. And a game like this is something that helps them maintain their grip on being a, you know, top class uh, European club and separating themselves into, you know, that class of, you know, the top two, three clubs um, beyond, you know, the typical, you know, everybody that's kind of been a bigger group after those top clubs. So it's, I don't want to predict a winner. I'm just predicting that this will be the best match of of what we're going to see this weekend. Are are you scared to predict a winner? Uh I don't know, I'm not scared. I
1: <laughs> well mark, um this is you know what I was talking about earlier about games where heads would roll uh if they lose. This is what I'm talking about. Um Real Madrid were you know they were Man City beat them at the burnabout two to one. Um is one of the more Shocking results. Um, you know, we, we really didn't see that coming. Uh, Pep Guardiola outthought and uh, outtacticked Zidane. And hmm. now, all of a sudden, three months off, Real comes back. They win 10 out of 11 La Liga games to uh, take the domestic title from Barcelona. Um, I'm going to go with Man City to win this. Uh, because of that humility that uh, you talked about, and yeah. also, um, I think they'll be a little fresher than Real Madrid. Um, I think Real Madrid's kind of playing with house money, uh, and then Man City's overturned Champions League ban, which uh, you know was—I uh, think that came out just a few weeks ago. Yeah, not they're at all actually allowed in next season's competition. Uh, This club has a real chip on its shoulder, and I think you're going to see that. Uh, They might go on to win it, and they would love nothing more than to be uh, the kings of UEFA despite having serious beef with UEFA.
0: Well, okay, let's keep it moving. Um, We get into the Saturday games now. We'll start with Bayern versus Chelsea. I don't think we have to talk about this for very long. Bayern, um, they – won another Bundesliga title. They are already up 3-0 uh, after the first leg heading into this match. Chelsea, uh, without Christian Pulisic, um, to go out and score three goals or more to knock off Bayern Munich would be uh, probably more shocking than anything in recent Champions League memory. Um,
1: yeah, Bayern, uh, Bayern has, they've been off for uh, over a month, but... Uh, they'll see I don't the, think it um, matters, so, yeah. Yeah, that three-goal cushion is uh, too much. And, uh, yeah, no pool cinch, no party.
0: Yeah, and real quick, uh, we were saying that this is a great situation for Bayern because they seem to be good enough to win Champions League, but with the long layoff, if they had come back and needed to face a Manchester City or even a Juventus, like, that might have been a much bigger challenge, and they might have been one and done. But now they kind of get a tune-up versus Chelsea. And then we'll take on the winner of Barcelona versus Napoli, um, which is also potentially a favorable matchup for them. Uh, so it's kind of like a bit of a off and running. And I think their bracket setup puts them in a great spot to be potential favorites to win the whole competition um, at the onset here.
1: But... Um. I disagree, but I'll tell you why uh, next week. Um, Okay. I don't see Bayern being off for a month and then coming back and ruling Europe. Um, I I just think that break will slow them a little too much. Okay.
0: Well, so the last game, um, also Saturday, 3 p.m., Barcelona versus Napoli. Tied 1-1 on aggregate right now. Uh, Barca let the Liga title slip away. While Napoli, after finishing second in Serie A in 2018-19, finished 17th in 2019-20. The Serie A was much more competitive this year, but uh, that is a long way to drop um, from what they were. And this is a tough one to call. You want to just sit there and say, oh, it's Lionel Messi, it's Barcelona, they're going to go through. Um, but Barcelona just wasn't playing all that well when the La Liga season ended and they got a little bit more of a layoff than Napoli, who, um, they were fighting to kind of get into a Europa League position and weren't able to do it, but it's kind of a, a poor man Juventus situation that we mentioned earlier. They, they're in form, but maybe not the best form. Um, it's really hard to call. I, I I still say I think that Barcelona will overmatch Napoli, but it's, it's, it's pretty unpredictable, I'd say.
1: Uh, easy to call Barcelona. <laughs> uh, you know, Napoli got a draw uh, in Italy back in March, but um, I think with all that's happened, Barcelona has a little bit of rest. They'll be a little fresher and certainly angrier uh, in the yeah. aftermath of their uh, letting the La Liga crown slip. So uh, I see them going through and uh, taking on Bayern in the best of the quarterfinals.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, that brings that's all of the initial end-of-round-of-16 games to set up the quarterfinals. Uh, we're not going to talk about the quarterfinals just yet. We'll just kind of lay out the schedule. They begin August 12th with Atalanta taking on PSG, and then on August 13th, RB Leipzig will take on Atletico Madrid. Those are the two quarterfinals that are already set. Then on August 14th and 15th, uh, we'll get the two remaining quarterfinals that are going to be decided over the course of the next two days um, that we were just breaking down and talking about. But Marcus, wow, 30 minutes goes by fast. Uh, But it was fun. And I am very excited that we are back um we'll also be getting on as many guests as possible and kind of just pushing forward with a um i wouldn't call it a rebrand or anything as far as nesson.com goes but kind of just another push forward for our uh our nice little department we got in our company here company here the new and improved nesson digital team and nesson.com the soccer podcast is all going to be part of that and uh just very excited marcus that we got the chance to, to go ahead and do this again
1: yeah good to be back uh everybody thank you for listening make sure to follow us on spotify and on itunes and uh keep coming back every week mm-hmm. turn up the rebel radio mm-hmm. wise you must have to it, say, turn up the rebel radio